Hey guys, and welcome back to the Multidimensional Journey YouTube channel and the Multidimensional Journey podcast. Thank you so much for returning back. And yeah, so today we're going to be talking about working with shame. And really my intention of talking about this is I hope um, to make working with it feel a lot easier. Um, when, when I first discovered what shame was, I was like 27 years old, so it was almost like 10 years ago, and I knew nothing about shame. I, I didn't even have the vocabulary. Um, but I went to go work at this treatment center and it was like one of my first like big adult jobs, you know, getting getting newly licensed as a therapist. And one of my first tasks at this treatment center was to present and teach on Brene Brown's Shame Resilience Program, which by the way, that's an incredible program. And um, it was very enlightening because as I'm teaching it and I'm, you know, it's a curriculum based program, it was all set out for me. I was like, you know, I was like, holy beep, 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 beep. I am full of shame and I didn't even know it. And um, so really today is about demystifying shame and oftentimes what I think what is also named shame um, in terms of parts is a very harsh inner critic or judge. There's a lot of um, cognitive aspects of shame, emotional aspects of shame, very somatic. It's a sense of feeling small. And, um, and essentially, you know, if you looked at an emotional energy scale, like how things show up in the body, shame is actually vibrating at the lowest frequency, indicating it's it's the most painful. It's the most contracted emotion that any human can embody. So um, it's really important to talk about, I think, in any sort of wellness, self-development um, kind of thing. But here we talk a lot about psychedelic and plant medicine, preparation and integration. So I think at minimum, having education around it and understanding where our own shame comes from really helps in the integration process. So really excited to get into that with you guys today. Um, and before we get into that, if you guys are interested, you can check down below for the Bobin Sauna Tincture Master Plan if you want to diet Bobin Sauna in the comfort of your home. Uh, you can check out that link below. Um, and also, uh, if you're interested, you can subscribe to the channel. I release videos Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, or on the podcast, you can leave a review. All these things help help me out here. So cool. Let's get into it. So, um, you know, shame is often an emotion or an experience or a way of being that's often transferred from parent to child as we develop. And Brene Brown does a really great job in defining this. So let's let's just kind of get into some education here really quick. So so the words of shame, if shame could speak, it essentially says I am bad you know, um, or I am a mistake. It's, it's an identity. Whereas guilt, you know, there's a separation like, oh, I did something bad or did something uncomfortable. I guess I don't really like the word bad, by the way, but I'm just for the, the, the purposes of this conversation. Um, or I made a mistake, you know, so you see the separation with shame. It's I am. And then guilt it's, there's a separate, like I did something X, Y, and Z. And it's often transferred from the parent to the child through omission and commission, explicit and, and implicit. You know, when a child, um, let's just give some examples. When a child embodies, or a teenager, or any time in development, there's so many different stages here, even in the womb, right? Womb, birth canal, all these different things um, that can happen. Everyone's different, so we can't really get into all the nuances of that. But essentially, for example, if someone is embodying their power, you know, as a child, maybe they um, feel really good about, um, t-shirt they're wearing they're like look at the t-shirt i'm wearing it's, it's so pretty and they're like doing a little twirl and the parents like well it doesn't look that good <laughs> it sounds terrible oh my gosh it's like it's so hard even to say that it does happen though and so right so the child is still figuring out like how to stand up to their parent, and they really don't have the consciousness of that because the parent is the person who provides everything 
So they don't want to threaten it. They don't want to threaten my survival, right? So kids, like, they just shut down and they become frozen because they don't, they don't know what to do, right? It's the parent's job to do the healthy mirroring and the healthy parenting, okay? So a healthy mirroring process would be like, oh my gosh, you're, you know, you do look so cute. Let me come, let's come check it out. Do a little dance for me. And so now I'm mirroring the experience. I'm building them up. Um, and, I, and I, I'm like, as I'm talking, I'm like, gosh, I sound really clinical, but I'm interacting with this other person and I'm joining them and celebrating themselves, right? Just like as we would as adults, right? But, um, and so, so this one instance, right? Like happens over and over and over again at times, especially in dysfunctional families or childhood trauma or these like imprints in our consciousness, right? And, um, you know, let's just, let's share another example. If there was any sort of abuse or neglect, this definitely causes like a sense of shame because I don't feel safe. I'm not protected. This, I'm not being shown that I'm lovable or special. And it is the parent's job to instill that through, through so many things. I, it's really hard. I can't go over all of them, but it's really these micro moments that add up in the development of one self-concept that, you know, they call it good enough parenting, essentially in psychology land. But essentially, if someone is there consistent enough and they're showing me enough that this person is safe, they'll stand up for me. They're walking me through the initiation of childhood and adolescent development, you know, helping me see things in a way that's balanced and they're being the mirror. Um, so what often happens, um, those of us who come to any sort of healing, but definitely psychedelic and plant medicine healing, right, oftentimes we're not only confronting our own inner, inner, you know, systems, emotions, uh, thoughts, somatic sensations, all the things that um, create us in our experience, um, but we're also, in a way, we have to inevitably look at and see where, like, where and when and how our parents treated us and how it has affected us, right? Um, and a lot of times when I work with people, we really work on, like, you know, sussing this out and tweezing it out um, because oftentimes there's an over-identification with the inner critic. We think that this is us, the person inside that is putting ourselves down or shaming us. It's us when actually if we look at the history, we can see that this was essentially transferred or injected by my parents. And if we take the elevator up, we see that I'm just going to make up a story here. Um, in grandma's and grandpa's history, there was alcoholism. They were, um, you know, at a time during like World War II, this is like way older, but this is like um, just taking in the social context environment, like what was going on at that time. You know, emotional intelligence was low, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And so that's also transferred down to the parents or the the lineage, so to speak. That's another way to say it. Or they say ancestral trauma. It's passed down these, these beliefs and these ways of being and the shaming and, um, you know, neglecting ourselves or neglecting others. It's passed down. It's taught. And so oftentimes us that are coming to this healing work, you know, like, oh, <laughs> it kind of makes me want to, right, purge a little bit. It's like unpacking those boxes, which, you know, of course that is unfair to an extent. Like, why do I got to carry all this? But a more empowered way of seeing it is like, I have the opportunity to unpack it and I have the skills and the tools, of course. Right. So, so like, right. So let's kind of go over. So it shows up in a lot of ways, like just like, you know, when we do something empowering for ourselves on this path as an adult, we might have a part of us that is criticizing or making us feel guilt for doing it or saying like, who are you to do that? Or you know, everyone's inner dialogue is different because we've all come from different families, but it's very similar. You know, it seems to be condescending. It's just squashing the power. It's like basically holding other parts down. And really the, the work here is to separate. We become autonomous from the family and um, we work on identifying that healthy inner parent and that higher self and then start 
working with the, the parts, right? The inner child and the teenager, we give them the space to grieve and feel angry. And we start setting boundaries internally with basically retiring our parents. And that looks different for everyone. Like once again, just keep in mind, this isn't how it is for everyone. In fact, I'm, it's like, I'm being very general. So please keep that in mind. Everyone's very personal and unique process. When I work with people, I, you know, I meet them where they're at in terms of how they want to relate to themselves and their grief process and their families and everything. But the main goal here is to realize that if, you know, they, you know, John Bradshaw, I'll leave a link down below. He's awesome. He has a whole YouTube series and it is like free. And it's like, some of the best psychoeducation I've ever seen on shame. Um, he, t- he talks about it. He was really big in the eighties, uh, talks about being shame bound, um, or, or the other term that he, I think he created, I'm not too sure. It's called toxic shame. So it's too much. It's unbalanced. And it's because this is this, my hand is the parent voice. It was just breaking the spirit of the child. Like you're not good enough. You know, why do you think you can do that? And so like, uh, it's like, and so as we develop, right, you know, there's, there's the tendency of course, to have a persona or the, they call it the false self or the survival self, right? Oftentimes a lot of us come to this work in this way, but we have enough education to realize, I know this is not who I am, but I'm now I'm going to work it out and break it down. And oftentimes in psychedelic experiences and in plant medicine, ayahuasca, all sorts of things, um, this is good to know beforehand. I had all this education before I ever came to plant medicine. And I'm not saying it has to be that way, but I definitely think it really, really helps because you know, if, if we don't understand the separation and the individuation and like where our programming is coming from, it, it can be a little more challenging in the integration, which I, I believe starts in the preparation process even before dose day or journey day. Um, but essentially how this shows up, you know, if we were just going to break it down, um, you know, like a lot of people pleasing or not really paying attention to my own needs because during the development, I had to be hyper attuned to somebody else. Is this safe to say? Is this safe to do? Like, what do I do? So now I become really hyper attuned to external people and places and things when the empowerment from the beginning should have been from the parent instilling it in the child. So that's a lot of, and that could have happened in also infant stages, nonverbal, all this stuff. So in, in the work, it's so helpful to number one, recognize our own personal shame. So for me, it, it was very unconscious for such a long time. In fact, my shame showed up as perfectionism, which I think is like really hard to tweeze out because I got all these accolades and all these praises for what I was doing and academics and, you know, striving in my career. And so like, it was really strange, if that makes sense. Um, uh, so sussing, and so essentially the core belief of mine was I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. So, and in order to prove to the world, which represented my parents, I'm going to show you I'm good enough. And I'm operating from a sense of shame. But in my healing, you know, like not operating from that place anymore. I say no when something's not in alignment. I really check in with my parts if I'm making a choice out of fear. Um, boundaries, speaking up my preferences. I don't like that. That doesn't work for me. All these, these things that I was shamed for as a child. Boundaries, speaking up, um, wasn't even in my family's vocabulary, right? And um, I've done a lot of work around my family. I've done so much grief work. And so I feel like I'm, I'm in a much better place now, but this, it's still, you know, it's, it's still important to kind of stay in touch with it because it is, it can affect us a lot in the integration phase. And as we kind of piece, re-piece these parts together, it's really through um, everything I talk about on here. Like, first of all, we need the awareness and the mindfulness and the regulation. Cause like I mentioned earlier, shame sits in, um, a very contracted state somatically, like if I just keep myself small enough and it can look very different for everyone, I'm just sharing. And it's often in a dissociated and a frozen state. Um, 
and it has that core belief. Um, and so there's a lot of components to it. So, um, and depending on, you know, for me and my journey, it's, it's not like I never feel shame again, by the way. Um, but going from feeling shame bound and being full of toxic shame most of the time compared to these days, you know, things are much more fewer and far between. And I have the tools to recognize like when, um, you know, past caregivers, past, you know, whoever is infiltrating my consciousness, right? So now I can separate, individuate and be like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Like, is this, this isn't my higher self. This is, this is something else that's coming up to be processed. So I think just pause right there. You, you see the difference? Like if I, if I'm shame bound and in my shame, you know, maybe something happens out here. It could be anything, an interaction with somebody. And I was like, oh shit. Like, oh, like I feel, I feel like I'm not good enough. I did something bad. And, and then I don't feel like I can speak up for myself or assert myself because that scared little girl is in front rather than separating and individuating. Like, oh, I can see and feel my scared little girl needs attention. Right. So you see the difference, like the, the difference is really between like identifying who's in front, knowing, knowing where it came from and realizing it is not ours. Like it's, it's, it's in us, right. But it's not our ours. And so, but it's like in our consciousness still. So detangling it takes lots of time and patience for sure. Um, but I, I think sometimes, and I, I think this is where I think I, I currently see it a lot in my own work and the people I work with, cause I do think it can be kind of sneaky if we're not actively kind of in a process of mindfulness, breath work, regulating ourselves, working with our parts consciously, all this, all this stuff, um, that when we begin to expand, right? Cause this is a lot of what the psychedelic implant medicine work does. Um, we start to expand, right. And we're like, wow, I am, you know, I know my true self. I can, I've experienced it now that is intact. And, but when I go out and to integrate and do these things, maybe I start to feel contracted again. And it's not always shame, but I think having the education around it to be like, huh, why is it with self-reflection, right? Why is it when I go to, you know, um, what, whatever it is you're, you're integrating, you know, whatever, when I, when I go to set that boundary with somebody or when I go to um, create that song or when I go to uh, paint that painting or, so these are all examples of autonomy and empowerment and creativity and all the things, right? Um, why is it that a part of me maybe shuts down and then, and then I procrastinate? you know, and I just avoid, um, that could be also an, another sign of it. There's many manifestations of it. I think behaviorally and unconsciously with shame. Um, the other part that I guess we didn't really talk about too much is that oftentimes what will happen is that consciously, subconsciously, we will employ a protector part in front of the shame. And, um, that, that, like I said earlier, that can be a people pleaser. That can be the perfectionist that can be anger to protect. Um, right. So it's like, the true self is in here and then you know the younger parts and then these like and then that's where the shame the shame is usually with the younger parts of the adolescence and then the protector parts are employed usually not always um uh in ifs they also separate protectors and managers so so for example like a, a manager um could be like someone who works really hard so it appears to be like socially positive but it's maybe not fully in alignment so as you can see this can get really really complicated but at minimum i think just like having the education that shame is often a very contracted state. It's often a state of I'm not good enough. It comes from younger parts. And really the goal here is to have, have the education around it, acknowledge it, where it's coming from, and employing that reparenting internally, letting the parts know that they are protected, they are loved, they are safe, and doing, of course, um, the grief work of the family because there's loss there. You know, the parts have feelings. They want, they have anger, they have questions. Um, they have things that it didn't make sense that they still want to integrate. So that's all part of the process too. Um, 
not to complicate things more, but I, you know, I am trying to do a video about shame. So I'm just trying to lay out all the elements. So ultimately, if I'm working with someone around this, we slowly, you know, educating, educating around the nervous system, how it's showing up, educating about the parts, working on making sure the higher self or the healthy inner parent is fully intact. And we know how to get it in front. Like that's a skill set, right? Getting in front over and over again, knowing how to actively work through shame triggers, um, by, you know, using mindfulness and breath work, essentially regulating. Um, and then in the deeper work, you know, breath work journeys, EMDR, somatic experiencing, all this stuff to really reharmonize. And I feel like reharmonize, reharmonizing the parts and the memories and everything that's happening, it's, it takes time, you know, uh, it takes time and there's always layers and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I would love to hear from you, you know, did this help? Was this video helpful on shame? Can you relate to it? Leave uh, your questions and your comments below. And I hope I hope because shame is such a heavy topic. It really is um, all the work that goes into it, you know, so definitely can't go over it all in a 20 minute video, but I hope I've given you some tools and hope and inspiration and like it's, we can work with it. You know, it's not impossible. It may feel challenging at times, but it's, I think it's definitely important to know about this if you are embarking on psychedelic and plant medicine work, because at some point, you know, it is something that most of us have to work on. So please leave your questions in your comments below. Um, check out all the links below. Um, check out ways to work with me. I have you know groups every month, workshops, all that good stuff down below. Um, and I'll see you guys next time. Take care.